success is fulfillment. And at that point, I started <laughs> kind of sounds like like a middle age crisis, but I wasn't even there yet. Uh, but I was like, what is my purpose? What fulfills me? And why am I doing the things that I'm doing? That really helped me have a very like honest conversation internally with myself and then look back into when am I feeling fulfilled? I think it's terribly important to insist on individual values. Learning culture podcast. Initiative, creation, all these things which we value. It's now possible to make organizations on a larger scale than it was ever possible before. Learning culture podcast. Teach people to analyze the kind of things that are said to them. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another special episode of the Learning Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Barry, and joining me this week is Petek Hawkins. This is a special episode because Petek and I are using it to make a very exciting announcement about Curious Lions. So I'm going to cut this intro very short and let you dive right into the conversation. As a quick summary of what you will learn in this episode, we talk about how important foundations are for enabling salespeople but that you equally need the freedom to be able to execute from there. We discuss how important it is to have strong leadership development and management training programs, why a C-level champion is critical for any sales enablement professional, and how your goal shouldn't be to give people the answers, but to equip them to make the right decisions for themselves in the moment. We also talk about the importance of building resilience and finally wrapping all of our conversation in this idea of motion and cadence and repetition that is the hallmark of a successful sales enablement program. Our conversation starts looking at Patek's journey and the lessons she's learned and then we get right into the exciting announcement and what it means for us and could mean for you. So please sit back, relax and enjoy this episode with Patek Hawkins. Patek, welcome to the show. Hi, Andrew. It's so good to be here. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one because we've got um, a, a sort of big announcement that's going to come out around this episode. We're going to talk about that uh, during this episode. So um, I'm very excited to, to dive into everything with you. Um, but yeah. before we kind of get into all of that, I want to start things off like, like, I, like I normally do with these um, and sort of just talk through a bit of your career arc um, in sales enablement, uh, pull out some lessons for listeners around things, you know, you've seen work and not work in the space from your experience. Um, and actually, now that I'm saying all that, I, I'd love to, um, well, actually, no, let, let's start with where, how you got into this in the first place. Like, What drew you to sales enablement? Yeah, Um so as you know, and many of the viewers know, enablement is a quite new concept and it's still being defined. So um, when I was first drawn to it, at the time I was a VP of sales and marketing at a company, privately held company. And what I found out about myself is that, and also at that time, I really got into Simon Sinek, which to me is a really, really good author, has amazing ideas. So everybody knows about him. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but he, he, one of the podcasts that I was listening to from him was that success is fulfillment. And at that point, I started <laughs> kind of sounds like, like a middle age crisis, but I wasn't even there yet. Uh, but I was like, <laughs> what is my purpose? What fulfills me? And why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And that that really helped me have a very like honest conversation internally with myself and then look back into when am I feeling fulfilled? And that was when I was building programs for the organization that I was leading uh, about how to onboard them, how to upskill them, how to make them feel that they're empowered and more confident. And, and as a result, we were seeing a lot of wins. I mean, that team was amazing. We crushed all of our goals, which some might say, oh, Patek, maybe you should have put <laughs> more bigger goals. roles or something like that. But <laughs> yeah. they were doing good uh, and nobody yeah. was saying bad things about it. So anywho, that's, that's when I started. That's my passion. Just, you know, building in programs and helping people become a better version of themselves. 
And I'm thinking, what is this thing? Because to me, it wasn't necessarily L&D at the time because mm-hmm. L&D was different than what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I saw a job posting, I think at indie.com mm-hmm. about uh, enablement at Zoom. And, and I applied for the job. When I applied for the job, the recruiters said to me, we would love to bring you on board as a sales leader. And I said, no, no, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to stay away from. Yeah. Like I made it, please. Uh, and then I met the, met the two people who were going to decide my future at that point, Amanda and Frank, and they, they believed in me and they gave me that opportunity. And that's really how I got into this thing called enablement, which I think is still being defined as what it is and what it looks like at each company. But mm. that was the beginning of the rest of my life right there. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was it like at Zoom at that time? I mean, it were you the only person in the function? Was that, you know, what what did you start with? Yeah, so it was it was interesting. Zoom definitely was not the Zoom it's today. Uh, yeah. It was it was really fun to go through the different stages of Zoom for sure. But um, as I said, there was there was uh, Amanda who was you know leading operations and um, and onboarding. Really, there wasn't like an enablement program per se in place. Mm-hmm. And my job was to go in there, and then and then there was Frank who was more doing the L and D type of the work, um, and and th- those two were my bosses in a sense. And they said, okay, Patek, like Frank, as you know, he's running the L and D type of HR type of onboarding. We want you to come in and take on more, you know, this enablement function to next level. Um, mm-hmm. So I started with onboarding, which which was amazing experience because the cool thing about onboarding is that you literally get to know every single person from their first day and you get to see their growth and yeah. they you get to celebrate their first wins with them alongside with their managers and so on. And you know, you become their biggest cheerleader and we did, you know, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of these people, and mm. it was just really exciting. So as I got into these things, again, there is not an enablement playbook. It's, you know, and later on, I found out it wasn't unique to Zoom. It's just there is no enablement playbook, really. It's just yeah. really unique to the company. Yeah. So there was a need for enterprise enablement. So they said, okay, Patek, we want you to now go and work with our enterprise team and uh, figure out what you all are doing for enabling the enterprise team. So that's when we brought in Todd Capone because uh, negotiations was a big deal. Um, again, these are the days that Zoom wasn't Zoom and mm-hmm. we didn't even have an enterprise logo. That was at this time we were working at Walmart and with Jan and Isaac being the BDR, we were just formulating like what does success look like? So I would spend hours analyzing what Isaac is doing as a BDR, bringing this big Walmart deal, and then mm. what Jen is doing on the sales end. And we're then going back and working with Jeff. It's like, okay, this should be the playbook, I think. And it's yeah. like really exciting back and forth and so on. And then we we actually landed Walmart at the time. And it was just like, yes, this is it. Now we have an enterprise logo. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a playbook. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah. um, but really, everything came from there, and um, and then from there it evolved. Then, then I said, okay, now let's be, let's pay attention to regions because what I also was finding out is that what we we're doing in the United States and when what I was preparing as programs wasn't really matching per se UK mm. or you know the EMEA region or the APAC region. There are a lot of nuances and you know, oh great, now we have to figure that out. So I spent quite a bit of time traveling the world, going to these different offices, understanding their cultures and understanding how we're gonna implement the foundations that we have in a way that really serves that culture. And as, as I'm doing these things, um, you know, there are a couple trends that came to, came to mind. One, people love foundations, but then they also love the freedom to execute in a way that fulfills them. Mm, so, 
So what do we need to enable that? Really strong leadership programs that goes along with what we're doing. Uh, mm -hmm. Because really, as enablement, I can give the foundations, but one to many, I, I'm not scale, I'm, I cannot clone myself. That's yeah. why we have our managers. So then the idea came up, we need leadership enablement. Then we, we, then we had Mike on board, who's my co-partner, and he was creating all these leadership coaching and enablement programs. Mm -hmm. And then we said, okay, great. Now we have actually a playbook and a process and a methodology in place. Now we have to execute this in the most, uh, you know, universal and smooth way that the tech stack that the reps are using is also following everything. Oh, okay. Now we need then tech enablement. Mm -hmm. Then we had Rich on board that's doing that. So it just kind of all came one another on top of another and they kind of build up. And then we, um, and then we found ourselves that we're in a team, this, this unique team, and we're figuring that as we go. And the cool thing was we were always super agile. Um, there was, even at that time at Zoom, uh, the only constant was the change. And it's been mm -hmm. my, throughout my enablement career, that's been the key, key point. Um, because business wants to take actions depending on what the market is doing or how they need to position, position themselves with their competitors. And because of that, you have to be really agile and then you have to, you know, answer business needs. Um, then I also found out a couple things like um, we were rolling out Zoom phone for the first time ever as a product. Mm -hmm. And then our VP of sales came to me, Greg, and then said, Patek, I need you to build, build a certification for phones. Okay. In what time frame? In a week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, and then you Which kind of like got that. into this, how do I build this thing? I'm not the SME. Product right. is so new. We don't have SMEs. Like, how the heck do we do this? Um, so it, what I also found out is that as enablement, you have to have really good relationships in the business so you can go ask for favors. So I literally pulled uh, a few people who has no job in being an enablement, but I said, if we do this, it's only going to happen with you. So I, I need like five days of your time that you're not selling and you're mm. sitting down with me and figuring this thing out. Mm. So we did that. And then I went to Greg and I was like, look, we did this. I took people off the floor. Now you have to champion this. So people actually take this. Yeah. We need ROI on this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he did public shaming, which is, you know, sometimes it works, but yeah, <laughs> like yeah. he publicly sent emails to the entire company saying, anybody who hasn't taken these, I'm getting the results from Patek. You better go there and execute it. <laughs> so um, that's another lesson learned. You need a good uh, C-level champion who's going to, yeah. who you can go back and be like, nudge, nudge. You wanted yeah. this. You need to drive this with me. Yeah. Um, so those were some, you know, fun lessons learned and, um, and, and the other thing was just, we were having so much fun doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. That was the other cool part uh, mm -hmm. of being there in, in that, in that environment that like, did we mess up a few things? Yes, we did. I mean, we, we didn't have perfect results um, all the time, but the good thing is we were able to laugh about it. And it, it's not what I call <laughs> rocket surgery. Yeah, uh, exactly. So not saving lives. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But. I don't know. Some people say rocket science. Some people say um, surgery. And I'm so, like, I put them together, rocket surgery. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and, uh, and I think just having that mentality and having the group that you can have that type of a relaxed environment uh, yeah. while you're still overachievers is also was a, was a good thing. Yeah. And you know what? That's how we took Zoom IPO. That's, that's you got to be able to do that, you know? Yeah. So... Um, one of the things I've learned about you is you are a lifelong learner when you see mm -hmm. mistakes, like you mentioned now, as learning opportunities. So you, you're almost like seeking those out and you, you're learning all the time and you, you shared yeah. some some of those great lessons. Now, I'm wondering if this is a fair characterization of, of this experience because I and, and, and then maybe as a follow on, is this a fair extrapolation to say like, this is what a lot of early stage tech looks like because that's kind of your 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 sweet spot you you're working in that c to series b c kind of maybe you know pre-ipo or in zoom's case 
it through the IPO. But mm-hmm. that that like early chaotic thing, right? So is this a fair characterization? It's kind of somewhat immature in terms of its its sophistication and like documentation and procedures and that. It's re- relying on sort of the the innate potential within people there that are just like the, you know the few superstars that are doing an incredible job, and then it's this this sort of rapid process of trying to like extract what they're doing, trying to sort of you know get that um, documented in a way that you can then spread that out to everyone else and and people could start to follow it of, of sort of like creating and formalizing the tribal knowledge that is like happening organically. Is is that fair? That's fair. I mean, and you know, that what you just described actually happens in companies like IBM, you know, Salesforce. Like, I think that what you described never goes away. However, to your point, uh, so there are two two stages of companies that I've experienced with startup and then scale up. So the startups are those seeds, like, and then they're just starting to become more, you know, scale up ready and then they become scale up and then once they're scale up and then they go IPO. When they're startup mode, that's all you're doing. Yes, you're just trying to figure out, okay, what's, what is actually working? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. documenting that and then those like, to your point, tribal knowledge, making sure that that's available to everybody and getting people excited about that. And then when you're scaling up though, the key difference is that from the maturity model Mm -hmm. of enablement, you are able to actually have repeatable results. So now you're doing not only that, but you put some process in place and then you can show that you're getting repeatable results, such as onboarding program, ramping people at a certain time, or um, the conversion rates from one stage to another. So that's where you start to see the transition between startup to scale up. When you're at scale up, then you see more repeatable process, but now where you're focused is that how do you dial those tune them even further so that scalable um, progress is actually achievable by everybody in the organization. And then you have tools, systems, and the whole ecosystem that's tied to that. Yeah, okay. That, that's a very helpful distinction there. Um, and, and I think just charting a path as well for companies to say this is what's coming right this is what we're yes. and we're at this stage let's focus on this right now um yes so that that's a very useful skill set that that you obviously bring to the market having sort of seen that at various companies and and i think mm-hmm. it's a good point to make that it's it's true no matter what the size of the company because every yeah. company is going to go through change always right and that oh that, i mean especially today yeah <laughs> like especially right. today right? right so it's like that ability to um to be able to adapt and think on the spot and be present and, and react to what's happening in front of you um and that was the other point i think i heard from you was that everything is contextual you said there's no unique playbook i'm pretty sure when you left zoom you couldn't take that playbook to melio you had to start again right and create a, a brand new one there so oh, yeah. How do you kind of balance? Because I mean, that's that's one of the things we've bonded over a lot is that sort of how so, so contextual this is, how, you know, we talked about tribal knowledge. It's so tacit. You can't just create training top down and then teach everyone through a series of e-learnings and, and you're good, right? Because every what worked today in the sales call is not going to work in the one tomorrow. And, and so like, how do you sort of balance that knowing that you'll never be able to teach people exactly what to do in every moment? But, mm-hmm. but you want to give them the skills to be able to decide themselves. It, that's that's where it is, right? Honestly, the key to this role is that, yes, you do your best to stay on top of the game and make sure that everything is up to date and relevant and for today. But the most important thing is just giving them, and I, I'm going to say this again, the confidence mm. that whenever they feel like something is not, you know, really working out the way with the way that they were doing it before, they can actually have the confidence because they know they have the skills. They know they know company enough. They know they they know what the goals are. It's very clear to them. They are confident enough to go there and figure something out on their own. And you're there to coach them. You're there to mm. be present for them to try out these things and then encourage them in a way. Mm. Um, so I think that's really key. And then, and then the second thing is staying really agile. So as soon as you start something not working, and this is a lesson learned for me, I haven't always been this way. 
learn to stop pushing, saying like, okay, I've done this, so it's going to work out. Instead saying, great, now we know that this is starting to break. Mm. Amazing. Let's get in front of that, break it together as fast as we can break it mm. so we can remake it again mm. until it breaks again. And for those, you just have some principles and methodologies that's always going to stay as your foundations. Um, and then whatever playbook process and whatever else that you're building on top of it is the stuff that stays agile. Yeah. So you get to design your programs and your enablement maturity with that in mind. Yeah, I like it. It's very principles based, giving people mm -hmm. kind of, but updating those principles all the time and then oh, yeah. giving people the skills to, to use that to make good decisions. So, you know, Zoom grew like crazy while you were there. You know, you're hiring more and more people all the time. How do you scale programs like this? Um, so again, <laughs> sometimes you build more programs on top of the programs to scale the programs that you have. <laughs> uh, that's funny to say that it, we just that went to a Dr. Dr. Seuss experience with my son and just kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but basically, so for example, we brought on a program for leadership enablement. So scale factor leadership and how they really take what what you have created as a program and then make it a part of the everyday day-to-day -day activity and habits and behaviors and just instilling mm -hmm. that is a big part of um, what you need to do in enablement and that to us was adding that new program for a leadership enablement yeah. and then and then continuously evolving that then yeah. a tech stack because Honestly, you cannot just go there and then say, oh, we enabled you on this process. Now remember this process and try to do it in your CRM or these other tools. Right. No, you cannot do that. So you got to really bring the tooling uh, tooling at the same level as the process or whatever new methodology that you're doing. And someone needs to own that and drive that and ensure that's happening at all times. Um, and, and then the other thing is, yeah, go ahead. Is that a process of just you want to remove friction, basically, from... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Absolutely. And, um, you know, if you want them to learn something and then, something and then implement it, we got to be able to walk him through that implementation mm -hmm. uh, really easily with all the tools in a seamless way. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not going to stick. And the other thing is you want to provide a way, a place, a space for those people who are seeing success to go and amplify that success in a programmatized way, which is a lot of what Curious Lion does. Mm -hmm. And then also um, a place where people... <laughs> know that they're making a mistake and they want to they want to let the, the rest of them know like yeah. hey don't do what i did because it sucked but i don't want you to go through the same thing uh, again yeah. just as important so yeah. having those types of programs which i think you can you can talk more about that better than i can do but you're just creating those things in the past we called that board of directors room mm, uh weekly um weekly catch-ups or just like um hot potato moment, you name it. Just right. like creating those programs, processes in everyday yep. motion so that it's not just a one and done thing. It's just like, what does success really like, look like in real life? And yeah. how do you repeat those messages? Because repetition is something what makes a story stick and then that story to become your DNA and what you, you become as an organization. 100%. And that's when you get people who know exactly how to evaluate a set of facts in front of them and yes. evaluate the options for what to do next and to take the right option. And yeah, I love that. Um, you also, you talked about habits, behaviors, kind of mindsets. It is so much of that, right? It's not, it's not necessary. It's not knowledge. I mean, knowledge is there. It's sort of, I think you, you, you talked about foundations earlier, like that's the knowledge, right? But it's not, the, yeah. you don't just stop there. It, the, the right. real, the real level you want to hit is mindsets, behaviors, um, and uh, and it's sort of this this way of life that uh, that you're trying to um, like instill in people, like they, they it's in their DNA, like you said. Yeah. Um, so. Um, and I and by the way, that's also where you can start measuring things. If you stop at just the knowledge, then you stop measuring outcomes. But what really matters is for people to know, how do I know that I'm successful? And yeah. I think 
for a lot of people, there are multiple ways to look at that. I, I come from biochem background. So I, I'm like a, I have a science need. Mm -hmm. So like that data to me is the place where you can see, oh, great. Like what we were doing is actually leading to something. And it's not just some words or feelings. Those are really, really important, but they complete each other. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned that because it, it's often it's one of the challenges we face as a company as well is to is to tie what we do to the to the business metrics right and and it's a challenge and i think anybody i've talked to as well in sales enablement feels the same challenge is that it's hard to find direct causation right it's mm-hmm. it's because you can do all these things and like you know that those things are all working getting the mindsets behaviors habits in place but sometimes it's hard to show that direct correlation so um, how have you approached that? What anything that's worked for you and being able to show things that you know senior leadership will look at and go, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, there are so many ways that you can do that. The best way for revenue enablement is always look at the key or align on the key metrics that the leadership is going to be measuring as a result of implementing a program. So enablement comes in usually when there's a strategy in place and they want to take that strategy from just being utopic thing to an execution and results. And then when they come to you with that, they should be able to tell the enablement saying, this is how we're going to measure success. And then we're going to break it down. Like we're going to break it down to, okay, again, what activities, behaviors do we expect that is going to be ending up in this result. And then great, how do we measure that? Where do we measure that? So we have CRM that can do that. We have the rest of the tech stack, which is you can look at call coaching with something like call intelligence tool, like Gong and you know, mm-hmm. Chorus. And then you have customer engagement tools. How do you how do you engage and then prospect? And that's a key tool to take a look at. Um, and then if you cannot do any of those things, then you take a look at manager interaction. So how many times a manager is having a one-on-one and how many times these conversations come up in a given one-on-one and you kind of create ways to gauge that. If none of that is happening, which is not ideal, then you can do some surveys, um, readiness surveys before and afters. Um, and these are the stuff that you will find usually a startup is a very startup. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that they can measure. And that's okay too. It's, and it's a great place to start, you know, yeah. it's better than nothing. Yeah. Uh, but there's so many different ways that you can measure yeah. uh, if, if something is leading to a success and if you can tie that to a business result. And then over time, if you can, if you have a leadership, which has happened to me before, that says, yeah, how can you tie what enablement did to an overall business result? You can, if you look at overall, what was happening before from the activities and behaviors and habits and how you benchmark them, and then you benchmark them month over month. And then Mm -hmm. if those month over month changes are tied to month over month changes with the business results, there's a direct correlation that you cannot deny. 100%. 100 percent yeah i love that and i think that's one of the things that that we i i really enjoyed getting to know about you and talking about with about you is that you um we both talk about you mentioned like motion i love you always say motion and and I, it really resonates with me there's a cadence the repetition like i think of it as as a flow you know learning culture and mm. learning is a flow and it's you know i think you think that similarly um but you have been able to in our conversation sort of um, it's almost like the last mile delivery, like you ground yeah. all of this type of stuff in those actual business results. And it's a, this focus on those activities, really breaking down the sales process into, you know, four phases and then each of that into multiple activities in that and looking at all the kind of conversion points between that. Um, yeah. it, it, it really just demystifies the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it, it helps for sure because again, otherwise it's a black box and black box is never a good thing for the for our customers, you know, the salespeople or the revenue people who are into day to day because they want to understand too, like what can I do better? Just like a professional football player, yeah, right? Exactly. They go back, look at their, you know, game plays and then they watch it over and over again. They even break it down, like how did I kick this ball? And yep. then like or what was my wrist like when I threw the ball or something like that. And it's just, they, they want that exact thing, especially those who really believe in bettering themselves. And I think everybody wants to better themselves. We just got to give them those tools and enable these things for yeah. them. 
So, so it's so true. And, and this reminds me of my conversation with Siobhan uh, Thatcher, which is actually oh, okay. going to come out next week after this is released, um, which talks about sales enablement, revenue enablement role as a player coach. And it's exactly yeah. like you're saying, it's sort of analyzing the game and it's breaking it down and saying, these are the things you can, you can improve and here's how, and, and giving those yes. people those little, um, those, those improvements. So. Hey, it's your host, Andrew here. I wanted to take a second just to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, we would love it if you did a couple of things for us. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. It really allows us to grow the channel and reach a lot more people like you. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, take a moment to leave us a rating and review. It's a great way to give us some feedback and to tell the world what you think about this podcast. So whether you listen to it on YouTube or you're listening to it as a podcast, you take one of those actions, it would mean the world to me and my team. Thank you. And with that, right back to the show. Yeah, so I was, um, you know, uh, hinting at uh, at this earlier. Um, the the combination of you and I have, have had now over the last six months, getting to know each other and all that sort of thing, and and, and seeing a lot of similarities in how we think and 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 that um, complementary uh, skill sets as well. And yes. and so you know, a big part of this is to announce the exciting news that you yes. are leaving Melio and you're going to be partnering with us in an official capacity yes. at Curious Lion. So yes. this is a big welcome to the team. Thank you so much, Andrew. I'm so excited. Um, yeah. You know, I'm really excited about this partnership because, again, we have so many common um, ideologies, the way that we think about And the thing that excited me the most about is how we think about how do we set people up for success? Yeah. and. How do we want to do the best for the people that we enable or, you know, develop and so on? And that was really exciting. And then I got to meet the team of amazing people. And uh, and I'm like, this is going to be providing an amazing uh, result for any other company that's going to be coming in and they're in need. And uh, today, everybody's in need because today everybody's going through some changes. So mm -hmm. What really got any company to today is not going to get them to tomorrow. So, yeah. and and we're there for them, which mm. is really really exciting. And yeah. we're going to do this together. Yeah, and, and so that that the 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 way you describe that helping people reach their potential, it's it's you know basically our like reason for being, and it's something that you and I have bonded over. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, one of the things you've said to me is this is going to give you that ability to work with multiple companies and more of a consulting role to bring all this experience that we've just been talking about yes. um, to lots of different, um, lots of different companies. And then to be able to combine that with what we've done really well, which is, you know, you mentioned earlier, it's like scaling that those leadership programs and, and management programs and, um, and the tribal knowledge, right, that that you're going to help us help companies, um, you know, formalize. Um, so so that's, it's so, so exciting for us. And I think really, it's something that we've been thinking about and planning for a while. And our repositioning on sales enablement is happening. Folks who's listening, go back and look at the first sales enablement person that I interviewed on this podcast. So it's, it's been months in the works. Um, our conversations have been a couple months as well in the works. And 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 now you know officially we're going to be able to to do this together. Um, yes. What I, I I wanted to go back and sort of dive deeper on is why why now? Like what what are the what are the macro challenges out there that that makes you see this as a as a great opportunity? Yeah. Um, so actually, I'm doing a doing a speech next week, and as a part of that, I've dug out a lot of stats, but. Mm. One of the statistics I want to read from my other screen here is that nine in 10 executives and managers say their organizations either face skill gaps already today, or they're going to see gaps developing within the next five years. Mm. So that's one of the reasons. It's just, this is regardless of the economy, this is something that people have already started uh, experiencing and this is from CB Insights that just came out this year and 375 million workers globally mm. might have to change occupations in the next decade to meet the company's needs mm. so this means that there's a 
big need for effectively, and I think effective is the key word here, effectively taking people who are in point A to point B mm -hmm. within their companies. And then as those companies are shifting and bringing new talent on board, how do they integrate it? And that really is the core duty of what enablement does to support the organizations for revenue. So I think that's that's the time. The time is now. I'm having a lot of conversations with lots of CROs, um, business owners, VP of sales, and so on, mm -hmm. um, venture capitals, and they're, they're, they're telling us about their portfolios and what they're going through. Mm -hmm. This is a need now. And so what we also know is that internal resources is not going to be effectively closing all these gaps, at least in a timely manner when you have to take the action now. Mm. So I think this is why we we are doing this move right now so that we can help these people, even though they have the in-house help, to actually close these gaps for them in a very efficient and effective way together. Yeah. And that's, I think, the, the why behind now and um, and how and with who. <laughs> yeah. And that and that is the again going back to our reason for being around learning culture and and you know we're a learning culture advisory firm for that exact reason that I believe what we should be focusing on is teaching people how to learn uh, so mm -hmm. that they can adapt because there's absolutely no way you can respond quick enough to the changes to I mean sometimes it's on a day to day basis right that things are changing contextually with with different customers and prospects so. Um, that's why this, I know our methodology and model works so well, and it, and I'm yes. just really excited to kind of put that into, into play with, with these kind of companies. Um, and, and maybe that's actually a follow-up question there for you as we start to kind of brainstorm our strategy together. So listeners can start to get a little insight here. This is, I haven't asked you this before and we'll probably continue these discussions offline, but I'd love to know like your initial thoughts on who's, who's needs this the most, where, where, where do you think we should be focusing, you know, immediately? Yeah. So, you know, the reality is that there are a lot of companies are right now because of the, you know, the, the fear of what to expect or the unknown. Um, they're pushing on their brakes. And I completely understand that environment. But then also there's a group of companies who really believe in their capabilities and they believe in the fact that, now is the time if they took an action, they will really separate them from their competitor. And when the market picks up, they can be the first ones to go to IPO. Right. They can be the first ones to actually make a difference in the marketplace and really strategically uh, position themselves to become the market leader. I think those are the group of people, companies that we want to focus on yeah. and help them really realize that scale that they're going after today. Yeah. So when the time comes, they can be positioned to take actions that they want to take. And so that uh, that's a really interesting answer. The the pumping of breaks you talk about there, is that, is that the layoffs, the sort of scale backs, the cut downs, like that's what you so the sort of let's just go into neutral mode here and, and preserve what we have? Layoffs is a big part of it, but even then, I think there are some companies who just want to stop spending. Maybe they just want to keep things as status quo. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's their strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And yet there's those that are kind of what you're saying is willing to take a bet on themselves now mm -hmm. and seeing it as this is an out, um, potentially outsized return given the, the current conditions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess um, as we move forward together, working through these these kind of these kind of um, with these kind of companies, what where where would you where do you see us starting? What what are the things you encourage these types of companies if they're listening now, and and where what should they be thinking about as a starting point? Mm -hmm. So it really depends on who's the audience that's listening to it. But if you're a C level and you really believe in yourself that this is the time that you want to make that difference. This is the time that you want to invest in. Um, I would definitely take a look at, do I have the right understanding of what my customers need today? Mm -hmm. um, let's just start from there. I think that's the most important thing. Just really, do I know my customer or do I have the initial internal resources who can help me do that? Um, 
And then if not, then who do I want to bring in and then work with those people? I think that's one thing that if you're a C-level executive that you want to start thinking about. Um, also, you, you've done all that and you you have a strategy, but you really do not have the resources inside, in-house to mm-hmm. program manage even. Um, you know, that's when you when you start taking an action now, you can reach out to us and we can we can take a look at what's happening today and guide you through some of these things. Um, if you are an enablement, if you are a sales manager, director, even a VP of sales, and you are now being tasked to do things differently and and you don't know where to start, you have the resources, uh, but but there's just so much to do and you just need some help prioritizing programming and just really getting things off the ground and then building the scale because scale is something that you know most companies need help from outside with. That's the time to take an action, right? Reach out and, and think about. Um, and then if you're a company that is just thinking about, is this the time that I'm going to be looking for a new investment round? Uh, you definitely, before you do that, take a look at your internal resources, processes, and all these things before you have to, you know, give a part of your business away. Um, that's yeah. a good time to also reach out to us. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I keep coming back to this word motion of, of really like taking a look at that motion and saying, am I confident that this is working smoothly? It's flowing. It you know everything is <laughs> is well doc. All, all those kind of things um, down to the the specific activities. Um, and, mm-hmm. You know that that's the level we're talking about. Yeah, I think that's the part that Absolutely. has been so fun talking about with you and learning about from you is um, that level of detail and rigor that that. Uh, that you bring to this, that you have brought in, in your previous roles and, and now will to future clients. Um, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I guess maybe I asked this earlier, but I, is there anything like why Curious Lion? Like what was the, the appealing thing now? You, you very happy in your current role at, at Melio, you know, um, mm-hmm. what, what made you jump? Mm-hmm. Switch. Um, I think it's just that, you know, this is something Andrew, you and I discuss and then we have in common. I think that certain people have a certain place in organizations. And I think you and mine is absolutely bringing in a strategy, building in a charter, building in programs, processes in place that can be scalable. And then really bringing in the rigor and then the learning culture that can really carry this, whatever that was implemented as foundation uh, to take place over and over again. And then, you know, revisit that once in a while. So I think that's as the strategy builder, uh, as the person who goes and implements enablement for the first time, the chartered organization and programs and so on. I think, you know, after a while, the value that I drive in that uh, single organization is going to be diminished if I continue staying there. Mm. Um, That's one of the reasons. And then why now do this partnership and consult at scale? Because again, these things that now that I've done it a few times uh, with success, I know what works and what doesn't. And this, this can really work in scale. And that's why the timing is. Because again, I think there are a lot of companies now who needs this, but then also don't know how to do it uh, from timing standpoint and why why leave milio type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, why curious line? Because I really think that this was something instilled to me from Eric Yuan when I was at Zoom, and that is customer first. No matter what you're doing, you just got to make sure that your customer is really, really happy. Mm-hmm. And then, the, then everything else will come. More engagement will come and so on and so on. And I think when I saw a partner in you that does think the same way, that is going to put customer first and then the results that we want to drive for them, mm. that was a big indicator that I wanted to partner with Curious Lion because that's the level of integrity and business that I want to drive. Mm. Um, and I think that we will drive together. Yeah. And then the other thing is that... Uh, just a team around that because, you know, you and I being the strategy and the consultants is great, but then what's the implementation look like? And I see very strong, amazing leaders in-house yeah. that is capable of doing that. 
And I think because of that, we're going to be making a lot of companies really successful and happy. And um, that's the entire goal, right? Mm, like that 100%. fulfillment. Yeah. No, I think there's a there's a, a really great values fit um, that, that we've both felt in, in these conversations. And as you've started to meet people on the team, that's one of the things I'm most proud of is this amazing team we've built where I can see them mm -hmm. in any context in any company adding value. And um, and you and now are going to be there to help complement the the strategic direction of where that value mm -hmm. is, is added. Um, and mm -hmm. so, yeah, so it it's it's going to be very exciting to, to yes. do that together. Um, the last question on this is one of the things we talked about as a way to potentially start working with companies is by offering a version of kind of what we do, which is um, set people's up with set companies up with what we call continuous active learning systems, which is basically a cohort-based approach to mm -hmm. you know spreading tribal knowledge through a company and um, keeping a cadence and emotion and all that th those things we talked about. Um, wh what what is and, and so we want to create that experience for multiple companies to come together and learn yes. from each other, right? What, what yes. is it about that particular model as you started learning more about it that that's just appeals to you? Um, just just a few things actually, not just a lot of things actually. <laughs> but uh, if I were to maybe look at the top three, and this is actually working with a couple other companies that we already start talking, like uh, sales assembly and so on. Mm -hmm. um, there is this idea about, again, the conceptual learning and from peer groups that, in my opinion, no matter how good of an internal LMD or enablement you have, you cannot achieve. And that is bringing like companies and their cohorts together and helping them learn from each other. That's such an invaluable experience that you cannot really achieve if you're just doing it in-house. There's just no way you're ever going to achieve that. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that there is this great resignation that started happening as a part of COVID. And believe it or not, there's this quiet, <laughs> quiet or passive, aggressive Quitting. resignation yeah. thing going on. <laughs> right. um, that's just a fact. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people are, again, questioning what am I doing? Why am I doing? Why am I with this company? And especially with the revenue organizations, it's such a contact sport that you can get tired. Mm -hmm. You think sometimes grass is greener on the other side, but you're going to get into these cohorts and you're going to find out your challenges are 80% the same, yeah. really, no matter where you go. And that, in my opinion, can also help the companies retain their employees mm -hmm. and, and then just really see like this is something that we're facing collectively. And then we can overcome collectively mm -hmm. and sharing best practices and supporting one another and creating that support group when you're in that contact sport is priceless. Mm. Um, that's that's another thing that I like about it. And the third thing is, again, scale. Mm. Uh, because if something is working, let's scale it, scale it really fast and then implement it. And then when it's time to break it, break it really fast and then do it in a timely manner. 100%. Yeah, and the model's perfect for that. Um, one thing that I'll add to that is um, you mentioned just like, you talked about Simon Sinek earlier and then this the the sort of um, quiet quitting, I think, is a lot of people, the connection to finding purpose, right? And like, why am I doing yes. this? And one of the things that our model works really well, and I haven't told you this, and I haven't really even told the team this, but I want to start pushing what we're doing further and closer to feeling like therapy for people. Because mm -hmm. I truly, truly believe in the, the ability, the, um, uh, the, the impact of giving people time and space to kind of reflect on what those things are, mm -hmm. you know, that, that are important to them, sharing that with their colleagues, finding the connection to the business goals, coming up with a shared vision, which is not mm -hmm. top down, it's very much bottom up. And it, all of this does that, right? If, and we're going to yeah. really start pushing the boundaries of that to give people that time and space to say, if you want to, you know, here's, you can really explore what means mm -hmm. what, what what's important to you and if you can find that at this company yeah um, so yeah very excited for that and that and that builds resilience right exactly. and that's uh -huh. really important today more than any other time i i was just talking to a um a coach i i've been talking to so many people but <laughs> basically uh they were saying you know they 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 were saying that there's a lot of sentiment about things moving too fast mm -hmm. and things changing all the time. 
and at work, and this person made a comment. Not just at work, in personal life too. We're just at a very fast-paced, ever-changing world right now.、Yeah. It's just a reality. So, building that resilience, even though, and you can actually measure it, measure that resilience, is is something that is so important. Yet, so many companies overlook, and I think as a part of enablement, that should also be something that has to be implemented every single time. Yeah. Because again, just the knowledge. Just given the right behaviors,、um, repetition helps, but resilience is the key that's going to be ever driving, no matter what you're going through.、Mm-hmm. And you know, you know that as a company, you need those people who has that skill set of、mm-hmm. being resilient. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. So many great benefits、uh, to the down to the people level. You know, that's the part that really gets me excited.、Yes. And, And I know it does for you as well. That we go, we have this ability to impact people and help them really connect with why they're doing with the, with what、yes. they're doing and, and reach their their full potential.、Um, so that I think brings me naturally to the last question I I always ask on this show, and that is, why do you do what you do? It it honestly makes me happy. I I really do like what I'm doing, and.、Um, It fulfills me. I I learn something new every single time, even if it's the same thing that I'm doing, and I learn something about myself too. Because I think that's also something very important that you gotta you gotta evolve. You gotta find out where your strengths and opportunities are. And it's as I as I enable people, I feel like that enables me. It fulfills me, and I like seeing people really happy. And、mm. there are so many instances that. You do something for you know a program for the people, and they come back to you, and they're just genuinely so happy that we went through this program, and they got so much out of it. And that to me is priceless. It's almost like when I was teaching yoga, I could just see every single person leaving the yoga room with this blissful smile、mm-hmm. in their faces.、Mm-hmm. The thing is, it only paid me thirteen bucks in two hours. <laughs> <Yeah> . well, <laughs> that was still great, but now I get to do that at scale, and and everybody is really, you know, better because of that.、Mm. No matter like what angle you take a look at, look at it from.、Mm. That's a beautiful answer.、Um, yeah, Patek, thank you for for sharing all of that for.、Um, For joining up forces with us, I think we've got some、yeah. really, really exciting things in our in our future, and I can't wait to start working with you. Yeah, same here, Andrew. We're gonna do some great things together as a team. As a team, <laughs> here's to more blissful smiles. Yes, exactly. <laughs> hello, hello. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It's Andrew again with a quick message. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do that is to leave us ratings and reviews where you listen. If you're on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe buttons, and feel free to leave a comment. We love hearing from our listeners and viewers. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please take the time to give us a rating and leave a review. Once again, we love hearing. From our loyal listeners, if you're listening to this on Spotify, please hit the follow button to make sure that you don't miss new episodes as they come out. See you next week for another episode of the Learning Culture Podcast. Thank you for listening.